This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 233 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer, Jen, today. Hi ho! Hi, everybody! <laughs> Welcome Hi. back, Philip! I'm back. I made it. I returned <laughs> to the land of ice and snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, We're glad you did, course. Philip. We really We're are. We're so glad you're back. Oh. We miss you. Oh, Glenn thank and I. You. Glenn and I did. We were fine last week, but the show just isn't the same without you. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll believe you then. But Yeah, uh, I was paid a lot of money to say that. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'll, Somebody paid I'll, you? I'll, Wait a minute. <laughs> Somebody paid you? Who paid you? <laughs> we don't do that here. I <laughs> love it. Well, Philip, we are all dying to hear about how the honeymoon was, how the wedding was, all that good stuff. Well, you were at the wedding, Reese, so I mean, I think yeah. I, from outside perspective, I think it went pretty well. And, uh, as a as a as a party to the to the big show, I had an awesome day. I think it went it, pretty perfect, actually. It was pretty awesome. It Except really for, was. And I think you mentioned this last week when I woke up the morning of, and they hadn't been calling for it. It had seriously <laughs> snowed. Yeah, not just like a dusting. It was like I was concerned. We had a major. Yeah, we had a kind of a major snow, and I woke up yeah. and I looked out the window and I just went. Of course this happened. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's, how, was, that's how you got to look at it. I was just like, of course this happened. <laughs> I just thought, well, you know, what are you going to do about it? We had planned for every contingency, including the snow. So uh, it didn't really throw any wrench in our, in our big plan. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it was awesome. It was the best day ever. And, you know, I'm so happy that it went off without a problem and that all of our friends, even our friends from Kentucky and out west, like we had... Uh, one of my wonderful friends from Alberta came, and horse people, and non-horse people, and family, and uh, we just had an amazing, awesome day. And then two days later, I didn't even get to talk to you afterwards, Reese. I know. Well, that was because we were still asleep. I, you guys had already gone, and Travis and I definitely partied hard, so uh, we were not in <laughs> a, a hurry. Of, there a was lot a lot hurting the morning after. <laughs> it was great we danced i have to be honest i was sore from dancing we danced so long and so hard that Listen, my legs you, gotta, you come up to canada you gotta be ready you got, you <laughs> i know i should have stretched i should have stretched everybody i we we all danced we had so much fun and seriously yeah. i was sore for like three days after the wedding from dancing so much we had i should have warned you time. about that and I yeah you. we had so many great friends that just love to let loose and Get on the dance floor, and uh, so that was great. And then the you know two days later, the Monday of we we headed out on our 16-hour flights and trip, and it was a long way. And um, but I mean, it was just the holiday we could have hoped for. It was just again like nothing went wrong. We went out on safari. We had what was it, four days of uh, traveling around, basically all of all of Kenya, looking for animals and. And finding, I, I did post some some photos on on my own Facebook page, 
Um, I think Meredith, I think at the end of the whole thing, Meredith, she said she had 600 something photos to narrow down to, you know, kind of a group that you can put on (laughs) Facebook to kind of show what happened. But I mean, um, we went everywhere. We saw everything and, uh, it was just an amazing continent, amazing country. Um, you know, I can't say enough. I, I can't even, you can't even describe it. You can't even put into words, um, what it's like to to see a giraffe or an elephant and just be like, I mean, you can you get up really close to these animals. They're not really they're not domesticated by any means, but they're kind of used to the people kind of driving around and and looking at them. And and um, you know we 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 have some photos there, and there's a kind of a, a pride of lions, and we almost like you can almost drive right over them. They're they kind of <laughs> lie in the grass, and they, they don't really. I mean. I guess they're the apex of the predators. They don't really care that you're around. They're not threatened by people too much. And they just, they just laze around and you could just check them out and take a lot. I mean, we, we didn't dare, you know, leave the comfort of the vehicle. But, uh, <laughs> Wait, was um, that comfort you know, or is that safety? Yeah. Yeah. You mean safety of the vehicle? <laughs> well, yeah. actually, our driver, we had a driver who drove us around for four days and uh, he put the child safety locks on. <laughs> That was Richard, really a good idea guy. for you. Yeah, and I'm like, Richard, yeah. what's going on? You got that? He's like, I just want to make sure nobody thinks yeah. they can get out of the vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> I think the like, child safety uh, lock for you, Philip, was a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you do want to go up and get cuddly with the uh-huh, animals. Yeah, with the lion. <laughs> with the lion. Where did you go, Philip? Where exactly were you in Africa? Um, well, we flew into Nairobi, which was uh, it was cool. They they actually in the a month or two before, they had a big fire in the airport. Um, so, wow. yeah, it was a little bit of a hectic mess. But uh, we got in, we stayed in Nairobi for a night, and then we were, like I said, we had our driver. He came out, and he took us um, everywhere. We went to um, one of the parks. is called, uh, is that a lake? It's a Lake Nakuru um, National Park. So we go there, and, you know, they have these fantastic five-star-type resort places you stay and and uh yeah you drive around and you and you just kind of hunt for animals and then we went from there and drove five six hours to um masai mara national park where this is where the great migration happens and like there's just thousands and thousands of wildebeest and water buffalo and so uh zebras everywhere um and so we did the same thing we stay there at a, at a hotel resort where we we did our our glamping we were telling reese about this glamping idea <laughs> glamping and I got, sounds, yeah i could do yeah that. i mean you stay in this tent but it's not really a tent i mean it's got canvas walls and that but i mean it's a <laughs> permanent bathroom shower um just this you know just beautiful place to stay and uh they do these amazing gourmet meals for you. i mean we really got taken care of it was uh i mean from the planning stage to it actually happening was a lot of work but uh it's amazing. So you just go out, and we got our driver, and he, you just you, you go hunting for whatever you can see. And so we got to see just an amazing array of um, lions, elephants, giraffes, hyenas, hippopotamus, crocodile. I mean, we try and see you know all the animals that you can see. Um, and like I said, you can just kind of drive up pretty close to them. And uh, we saw this this um, baby elephant. I think it was probably Aww. less than a week old, like a week Aww. or less than a week wow. old. He's there with his family, just families of of these amazing, incredible creatures out in their natural habitat. Like these, these uh, parks are 
acres and acres, thousands of acres big. And, and, uh, I mean, you can certainly get lost. If we didn't have a driver, we would have been lost, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he kind of knows where they hang out and, and where to find them. And, and that was incredible. So, uh, we did a few days of that and then we kind of needed a rest because it was a lot of driving, a lot of, you know, going around actually, we were up at six, six thirty every day to, to, um, you know, to find the animals and stuff. So, we uh, flew to an island off the coast of Tanzania. It's a part of the country of Tanzania. It's called Zanzibar. And it's known as kind of a resort beach place. So we spent four days of uh, hanging out on the beach, doing some snorkeling, and, uh, and um, you know, just a few days of relaxing before we uh, flew back home. It was, uh, uh, we flew from Nairobi to Istanbul. Um, so we got to see kind of uh, Turkey from the airport and that. And cool. Just, um, huge amazing city you could just tell when you fly into it I just um so we flew six hours there and then 10 hours um back to toronto so um incredible i mean again i just can't describe what it was like to to be there and to, to see just a totally different world and uh it was great and i should say that we did take every opportunity to to ride so we did two rides we did one uh you know a ride in um in Lake Nakuru Park when we were there. And uh, it was kind of cool. We, we searched out a place that would offer kind of tourist chair rides. So we get there and we, we you know, we get on our horses and, and we start talking to our to our guide about, you know, what are these horses that we're riding and, and, and you know, blah, 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 because uh, it was just Meredith and I and we were experienced riders. So he, you know, gave us a couple of horses and then our guide took a horse himself and his horse was kind of jumping around and wanted to turn around and wanted to run here. And we were like, oh, my God, like, what is going on here? And our horses are there quiet. They're just plodding along. And we just got to talking to him. He says, well, you know, this is one of our, this is one of our racehorses. And, uh, and we're like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, there was, so we were sitting on three thoroughbreds. And the horse that he was riding, he had taken out to guide us on our trail ride, actually had raced the week before. <laughs> oh, wow. So, awesome. <laughs> I was Super. like, okay, well, he's actually pretty well behaved for being, you know, a racehorse because we were, you know, we had trotted a bit, we were cantering along, and then it's, oh, you know, tell me about about my horse here, and his name was uh, Winter Solstice, and he's like, well, you, you've got this uh, nine-year-old thoroughbred stallion who had won nine races, and they had retired him to a life of carting tourists around so i was like oh my god like i i mean I, you can't even tell this is a thoroughbred well you could tell it was a thoroughbred but you couldn't tell it was a stallion i was i was sitting there, i was like oh you know and then Meredith's horse was a little bit older but also retired racehorse so um after we gone for a ride we did a little tour around uh you know his stable we was excited because we were horse people to show us all of his horses that was really interesting so that was our first ride and then the next one we did was uh we went on more of a typical trail ride uh, place because they had rented uh, nearby the resort we were at in Zanzibar. They did uh, your, you know, your trail ride sort of thing. So we actually rode along the beach and that was uh, something I had never done before. And that was pretty amazing. We um, were galloping, you know, again, we told our guide, you know, okay, we're experienced riders. They gave us a couple of good horses, you know, again, quiet horses, but um, we got to gallop along the, you know, the beautiful white beaches that just stretch on for miles there in Zanzibar. So we just got to canter along the surf and uh that was quite an experience so we had a, l- a little mix of a horsey thing in there that was pretty great so i think that's nice. uh kind of sums up our sums up our african adventure wow oh my goodness yeah. and, and now you're back in canada where i'm sure it's snowing 
<laughs> yeah, it snowed this morning. So. That's okay. <laughs> I was really, uh, you know, really refreshed and happy to get back to riding and and uh, get back to the horses and uh, and see how people were doing in my absence, you know, without me. And <laughs> Did they survive? Everybody's still riding great. The horses Yay! are wonderful, and uh, they had grown three or four inches of coat since I saw them last. <laughs> Um, yeah, sure. we'll have to do our we'll have to do our clipping and all that. But uh, <laughs> horses are happy and people are great and uh, uh, good to be home. Nice. Be well, home. we're so glad, and it really was a wonderful event. And you are finally married, so congratulations to you <laughs> took and a while. Sure. Took a while, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we've we all been it. on this journey with you. It's been so exciting. It's been really fun. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's a sigh of relief, you know, when uh, <laughs> now that we're back and there's no more planning to do. We can get back to. Meredith can get back to her stressful job, and I can get back to playing horses. So uh, that's pretty fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, congratulations again. So, uh, Glad you had a good time. Yeah. Oh, we had a blast. (laughs) (laughs) Almost too much. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And um, this week, I am lucky enough, Philip, I get to see you like twice in three weeks. Oh, my God. Gosh. Yes. So we uh, leave actually on Thursday. We're recording the show a little bit early this week um, because we are heading to the Young Horse Conference on Thursday. So we'll have yeah. lots to talk about next Welcome week. To our, our ninth, ninth annual oh my gosh. Young Horse Symposium at uh, Hassler Dressage Harmony yeah. Sport Horses in Maryland. So that's yeah. one of my, that's a star on my calendar. Me so too, even, me too. Even our honeymoon was a little <laughs> bit, I mean, it worked out pretty well with the weeks and how all the planning all worked out, but um, I knew from the beginning that that was a date that I couldn't miss, and so our, our honeymoon <laughs> got planned a little bit around that as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what we do too. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really a wonderful event, and, and we'll be really looking forward to it. So we'll have a great report next week um, from that as well. So, um, yeah, so lots of stuff going on. Philip, we got a little Canadian news this week. Well, while I was gone, and this is a, an event that I normally always attend because it's not too far from my house in Toronto, but uh, this is the Royal Invitational Dressage Cup. This is a $20,000 event. Um, it's an invitational, so it's four riders, uh, Canadian riders, that get to challenge for this cup. And this year, the freestyle was won by Diane Creech and her horse, Devin L. Second place was David Marcus on Chevrolet's Capital. Third place went to Jacqueline Brooks on De Niro. And fourth place went to Evie Strasser. Sorry, Evie. And uh, Action Time. And actually, this is kind of interesting because Action Time had been competed by her daughter in the Young Horse um, Finals, the, the uh, North American Young Horse Finals. She had um, qualified and competed at, uh, at the Nationals. And then I guess Evie took her horse, her Grand Prix horse, back. And now uh, he went to compete in the Grand Prix here, at, uh, and she got a 67.375 in the freestyle there. And that's, that's pretty interesting. A daughter, mother, team competing on the international stage, uh, kind of with the same horse. And uh, uh, they're great people. I, I know Evie and uh, Tanya pretty well. So uh, that's wonderful. So a great show yep. was held. Uh, I didn't get to it, so I can't really give you, um, you know. <laughs> that's okay. The, you had uh, an excuse. Depth report, but uh, <laughs> uh, a great show and congratulations from Diane. She's a friend as well, so that's uh, that's pretty awesome. 
Absolutely. Well, we have a great show today. We are going to talk about a little bit about the U.S. Dressage Finals. And Alston Kerr, the commissioner of the Kentucky Horse Park, is going to come on. And she's a longtime student of mine and, and just has a wonderful horse, um, Charlie Brown, who she'll tell us. He's a Katrina Rescue, and we've been working really hard with him for many years um, to get him there. So it really was a, a fun week for me. And then we have um, an update from USDF from uh, – Cindy Beamon and Kathy Robertson from USDF. So after this commercial break, we will get into it. Coach Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show on the Horse Radio Network. The way consumers interact with the brands they have trusted for years and those they are about to fall in love with for the first time is becoming more and more mobile, literally, and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Podcasts or internet radio shows like this one combine the new consumer preference for on-demand information and entertainment with the power of niche market audiences. Advertising on the Horse Radio Network podcasts allows you to reach the equestrian consumer using today's preferred on-demand delivery system. It's cost-effective and flexible, able to reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. To learn more about advertising on this show or any of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at 859-951-2022 or you can email us at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That's glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. Come and join the Horse Radio Network family. You'll enjoy the ride. Well, it truly is my pleasure to have Alston Kerr on the show today. Alston is the commissioner of the Kentucky Horse Park, and she's also one of my very longtime students, and she competed this week at the U.S. Uh, Dressage Finals at the Horse Park. Alston, welcome. Thank you, Reese. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Well, it is, it is truly such a fun story, um, really from the start. I, I will be honest, from the very beginning, when Alston picked Charlie Brown up and brought him to the farm... I didn't know what to do. So, Alston, tell us a little bit where you got uh, Charlie and a little bit about our journey here to the U.S. Finals. Well, I'll tell you what, you're 100% right, because uh, when I first brought him to you, you said, what is that? And I <laughs> said, that's my new event horse that we're going to teach dressage to. And I think <laughs> you just stared at me for about, oh, a good 10 seconds before you gulped and said, okay. Yes. You remember? I, oh, I, I, I distinctly remember. I don't have a very good memory, but I remember the day that I first met Charlie Brown, and I did meet him, and he is quite possibly the sweetest horse. He really is a doll, and just he's just so kind. So where did you find Charlie Brown? This is the great part of this story. Well, you know, anybody that rescues an animal usually will come back and tell you that those rescue animals are truly the most loving individuals going. And I have to say that this horse, bar none, in my life has been the most loving animal I have ever had from the very get-go um, to which when we rescued him. I, um, as you know, I am uh, from New Orleans, and I was a Katrina non-evacuee, so I was there during the whole time until the National Guard came. And so I truly know how devastated the city was and the entire region. 
And so the minute I could get my parents out of New Orleans and, and get back, I came to Kentucky, got truck and trailer, and put in step-in stakes and solar panels and anything I could think of that would help people regain their lives on the North Shore of New Orleans, which is Covington, Mandeville, Madisonville, um, and that area. So I just got back in at a time when there was no diesel on the road and drove down there with all of my supplies to, to hand them out. And uh, there was a man from Bush, Louisiana, who was was basically, you know, he had horses he couldn't take care of as the entire region had really no um, paddocks or water or food and no way to get it and no way for people really to help themselves because it was truly under siege. So that is kind of, he, he must have written out the storm outside because he truly was very uh, sunburned and, and battered a little bit and, and scraped up. So, um, and he had apparently, this guy had about 30 horses at the same time in Bush at a training facility. So um, that's kind of where he came from. And I took one look at him and he jumped over a big down oak tree. And I thought, okay, that's my newest event prospect, right off a Louisiana track. So that's how I got him. Yeah, and he truly is. So, so tell us a little bit how we got to um, qualifying for regionals and going to Chicago this year. Well, as you, as you know me as your student, eventing is my discipline and dressage <laughs> is a love because it will help me get there. And I've learned an incredible amount through you um, and translating it to this off-the-track thoroughbred uh, turned out to be an interesting proposition, of which it took us probably a little bit longer um, to happen than, than we thought. But that being said, Charlie Brown took took to the dressage portion. He kind of never took to the jumping portion. So uh, eventually, after beating my head against the wall trying to event him, um, you all convinced me, uh, you and Lorna yes. Donahue, basically beat me over the head and said, <laughs> this is a beautiful horse, and he needs to just do dressage. So... Uh, that's when we started, I guess it was May, June of this year. Um, mm-hmm. We thought, okay, I might as well go qualify. I think that's what you told me, go qualify. Yeah. <laughs> so I just did just that. We took him to wonderful dressage shows in the region and wound up getting the qualifying scores we needed and thought, okay, uh, I guess I'm going to Chicago to regionals at that point, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the week of regionals because that was a really big week in your life. Well, I tell you what, I wound up having a grandchild uh, the week of regionals. My daughter went into labor on Monday uh, morning, and she didn't wind up having the baby until uh, Thursday. And we thought, well, you know, I will just keep putting it off because obviously I can't leave in the middle of this. And um, so we just waited and waited. So finally, my wonderful grandchild, James Mitchell Zala, arrived early in the morning on Thursday morning. I was there at 3 in the morning and got in the truck and trailer to drive to Chicago at 7 a.m. in the morning here for you all to uh, pick me up off my feet when I finally made it to Lamplight. Yes, that's true, and it was really wonderful. And we have to give a shout-out to Virginia, your daughter, who is also a wonderful rider and and has been a longtime student of mine as well. And she was the most supportive and has been very supportive through this. She said, Mom, you're going. 
So it was it was great. And, and we were all cheering her on in labor from Chicago for sure. So we qualified. You beat 47 in Chicago. It was a wonderful. It was actually a very kind of nerve wracking day for me, for sure. You were very cool and calm, I will say. But I was uh, I could see the scores were coming in and, and we kept winning. So uh, that was pretty wonderful to see you win and do your victory lap. So uh, we're going to fast forward a little bit to last week to the U.S. finals. So tell us a little bit about your experience as a competitor at the finals? Well, you know, can I backtrack just a second here sure. and say that at the semifinals, at the regionals, you know, I'll, for all the other people out there listening to this broadcast, you know, I do take instruction well. I really try to get it. But without a doubt, I can tell you that when I like the test, nobody else likes it. And when I don't <laughs> like it, everybody else likes it. So, you know, everybody just needs to keep working on what they're doing. And I think I'm finally understanding what it is that I need to do. It is a journey that you go on. But uh, truly, to be told are qualified for the first ever U.S. dressage finals, and they happen to be in my backyard at a place that is near and dear to my heart, I thought, okay, here I go. I'm going to get there. So we did. Absolutely. And last week was, it was an interesting week. It was, um, we had really, we had rain on Thursday and we took him to the horse park on Friday and we schooled. So tell us a little bit about your test, your warm up test. Well, I have to say for anybody that was warming up and they did a, I guess, what would you call it? It's a regional show along with the yes. national finals and some open classes. So that was beneficial to both of us in that we could at least ride the test. But it, it turned out to be probably one of the coldest and windiest yes. days of of the season so far. And so you were kind of uh, uh, buffeted around that arena so much that you couldn't even hear the bell of the judge go off and they had to wave out the window. But um, it gave us a chance to get in there and, and practice figures. I, I can say I at least know my geometry, so I, I, I attempt to make that at least uh, excellent. If if everything else goes wrong, at least I know that my circles are circles, and what I'm supposed to be doing is is a part of the geometry. So it was very um, good. It was great to yeah. be able to get in there and ride that test before Sunday morning. And it was it was a very very cold and windy day, and and actually one of the judges put in her blogs, and I thought was really interesting. Is she said if you're going to ride in a show in November in Kentucky, ride in all kinds of weather. And it was. It rained on Thursday. It was cold and windy on um, on Saturday um, and Friday. Uh, so it was it was interesting to to think about that. Our horses, you know, being from you know Charlie, being the local man, is pretty used to it. But it's the first part of our season, like you were saying, where it's gotten cold and windy. So tell us a little bit about your test on Sunday. How did that go? Well, I tell you what, it's, you, you kind of know my humor on Sunday morning to be the first. <laughs> ride yes. in at a national championship, <laughs> certainly where there's no marks on the ground and everybody's had to get up and it's a very cold morning. I thought, okay, <laughs> you know, to be the first one in, I thought, well, do what you can. I have to say that in Charlie Brown's case, um, to his credit, he did as good a job as as could at that point. And I think probably the scores that we got were reflective of the test we put in. I won't say that it was his best. He stumbled in when he came in, he stumbled at the halt yes. coming in. And so that kind of a little bit set the tone. I'm not quite too sure why we stumbled, but we did. So yeah. we, we, we went on. I have to say, I, truly, I felt like he was as steady, Eddie, as, as you can ask at a training level. And he certainly performed all the movements that he needed 
needed to do in the best. He's not a real flashy horse in his gait, but he is very steady, and he certainly gives you 110%. So we went to the movements, but I have to say, I was really glad of coming down the center line to end that salute. <laughs> we honestly, your whole pit crew, we were all so nervous. I think we were all happy to see you end, too. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we were all happy to, to, to say goodbye to training level test three. That was kind of a joke for us, was um, Alston said in Chicago. She goes, oh, I have to ride training level test three two more times. Um, and, and, and that was a little bit of a joke for us. But yeah, I was happy to see you not have to ride that test again, because you have it down for sure so also well, you know the test wait the test itself <laughs> is is there isn't enough movements to keep him occupied you yeah. know there you know I, I could use a few more movements so that he was really paying attention to you because he kind of switches off just a little bit so yeah it'll be yeah. good to He's- move on up Ready for first the first three and second three for next year, for sure. So, Austin, tell us a little bit about you. You actually have a very special position at the horse park. And as you said earlier, it's a very near and dear place to your heart. And you really, truly have made the horse park um, the place that it is, the wonderful place that it is. So what was it like? I mean, you were the commissioner of the horse park. This is a big deal. And here, um, you, here you're riding, but you're also playing this other role. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I have to, before I even get into that, everybody that listens to this has to give a big nod uh, to the USDF because I have to say for our first time event ever in anybody's facility, whether it's the horse park or another facility, they did probably the most outstanding job I have ever seen. It was truly of international caliber and look. The definite the look was there, the VIP treatment was there, the hospitality was there. Um, they went over and above in making sure that everybody was informative and pleasant and that as best they could, given the weather, um, that everybody was treated um, with what we call Kentucky hospitality. So um, that is a true partnership between the USDF and the Kentucky Horse Park. And it, it just sets the stage for the future of what should be expected. But truly, your national organization did an amazing, or my national organization, sorry, did an mm-hmm. amazing job at putting it together. And, and also, let me, before I forget, all of the sponsors of this show have, have, did a, you know, that the gifts were gifts galore, and everybody walked away from regionals with jackets and, and coolers and things that will sing the praises of the first finals ever. And I just know that next year it will be bigger and better. Um, so, you know, if, if you, if anybody out there listening, you know, they need to always thank the sponsors. They will be in a qualifying position one day. And, and without the sponsors, we wouldn't be holding um, these types of shows. And certainly being head of the park, I uh, really get that one in, in a lot of ways. Uh, just easily, the horse park is, a, you know, my passion uh, as a now 33-year volunteer at the park. Wow. Uh, yeah, no kidding. I said, I've certainly, at this volunteer position, spent a lot of money and a lot of time, um, but there is just something about that piece of property that you walk on the property and, and you just get sucked in and you want to help it in every way you can. And I used to be head of the foundation, and the foundation is the not-for-profit arm that has raised all the private funds that have been used within the park. And so many people think that the park is a state agency and that because it's a state agency, we have unlimited funds. Well, that's really not true. 
So everybody listening, you know, one dollar goes a long way, believe it or not. You know, there is not a donation that's too small that can come to the park because we truly get it at the park for land conservation and, and places and facilities to, to have first-quality shows like you saw. But we would not have been there had it not been for the private sector support that joined hands with the public sector, i.e. the state. Because all of the show facilities that happened, not the Alltech Arena, the state of Kentucky committed capital dollars for the arena and also for the Rolex Stadium. So um, those two were capital expenditure projects. But most of the barns and most of the rings that everybody rode in, outside rings, were all privately funded. So um, people can't forget that because the park could not sustain itself alone on, on just the, our revenue sources and the sources uh, that we get from the state, although we are extremely grateful from the state. So... And that, that is so true. Um, and, and, and there is actually a new project um, going on to revamp the dressage complex, which would be a wonderful thing that if people wanted to donate, um, that they could do that through the Horse Park Foundation. Is that correct? Oh, 100% and the Kentucky Dressage Association. Uh, the foundation and the Dressage Association, and thank God for them, have taken upon themselves to finish what we consider to be the last piece of that park. It's a beautiful area within what we call the main park campus, and they are going to turn it into international rings that can be showcased. And, uh, you know, it all comes down, uh, surprisingly, not to money, okay, and, and raising money to be able um, to complete this project. But there are plans that are presently being drawn up. We have the guts of a plan, but now we're finalizing the surfaces of the rings and and how much the rings need to be raised and the drainage. But when we're finished, um, we will have hopefully one of the finest dressage complexes um, in the United States, if not the finest, when we incorporate into the entire park structure and hoping that in future years, when the USDF uh, holds the, the national finals at the park, that they will encompass using this complex for warm-up area and for ring space. So it will be really of benefit to everybody. It will be. And we hope to continue to having great shows here in Kentucky for dressage and all sports at the Horse Park. Um, Ms. Alston, how do people, if they wanted to donate through the Horse Park Foundation, where do we go online to do that? I'll tell you what, if you just literally go to the Horse Park main website or you Google Kentucky Horse Park Foundation, it will come right up. And as all websites do, there is a Donate Now button, and it can be done electronically online. And if you don't want to do that, a check can be sent. Uh, I mean, you can send a check to the address that is given, and the Horse Park will give you a, you know, every donation is tax deductible, so you will immediately get a tax deduct letter. And then I keep stressing to anybody listening, there really is no donation that is too small because every dollar helps us get it, get to where we want to be. So um, that's yeah. the easiest way on the website. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and telling us all a little bit about the horse park and the plans for the future. And we can't wait to be there next year. Well, I, I tell you what, I know that, that there is a commitment from the USDF to rotate this. So as as being from the park, we certainly understand that because your West Coast and your really northern western perimeters really need to be able to participate, and it, it's a quite an expense to come from the West Coast. We at the park really understand that. So, you know, we are willing and ready to work with the USDF to see what it is that we have to do to make this happen. 
Glenn the Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough, and we all hate doing the required paperwork, and unfortunately many of us never get around to it, and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the Equisketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses, and we absolutely love this thing. Equisketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad. And all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for Equisketch Records in the iOS App Store or go to Equisketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. Equisketch.com. Well, it is my pleasure to have Cindy Vemont, Senior Director of Member Programs, and Kathy Robertson, Education Programs Senior Coordinator for USDF on the show today. Hi, ladies. Welcome back. Hi there. Thanks for having us. Hi. We always love our USDF updates. They really help us kind of stay involved and know what's going on at USDF. But really, ladies, I have to sing your praises from the U.S. Dressage Finals last weekend. It was truly a wonderful event. Thank you very much. Thank you, Reese. We had a great time. Um, actually, it was a lot of hard work. But when you just see the faces of the people that are involved in the competitors, uh, and you talk to them in the barn, and you see them after the award ceremony, you know that all the hard work was definitely well worth it. Oh, it, it was. It was it, from the, the young lady who had the coffee cart when you came in. She was my favorite. She was there every morning with her coffee and a smile, and it was awesome. I have to say, you guys really thought of some wonderful things. So tell us from your perspective, how did it go? And, um, yeah, just kind of give us a rundown of the event. Well, um, you know, this was our very first event. Um, we did have a very strong organizing committee and event staff that was very experienced. We had Lloyd Lanshammer as our manager, and as you know, he's managed um, everything from the World Equestrian Games to many, many regional championships. So he's, he's got quite a, a list of uh, accomplishments as a manager. Um, we had Monica Fitzgerald as our secretary, and again, she's very experienced, runs a lot of shows uh, around the country and particularly in Florida. Um, we also had uh, the benefit of Kevin Bradbury, who brought his horse show office.com staff and all the technology that was just state-of-the-art for, for a show of this size, so we were really fortunate to have all that going on. Um, we had Deborah Reinhardt, who also runs quite a few competitions, big shows around the country, but particularly in, in the Northeast. She was our event coordinator, so she was handling all the, the, the things that people uh, may not be aware of, like coordinating all the volunteers, making sure they're all in the right place at the right time, making sure they have accommodations and food and uh, all those logistical things that are going on behind the scenes, she had a great deal to do with that. Um, I'm probably 
leaving out some people, but I don't want to miss, of course, Janine Malone and George Williams, both of, of who have had this concept in their mind and have worked on this thing for probably 20 years, and it's now become a reality. And, and they have just continued to have this as a goal for them personally as well as for this organization. And they uh, they should be very proud that their, the ideas that they had and the concepts that they had finally come true. So we had a very strong team. We also had the benefit of having the USDF staff right here in Lexington and uh, housed here at the Kentucky Horse Park that could lend quite a bit of, uh, of assistance uh, in getting things set up and organized with the Kentucky Horse Park prior to anyone actually stepping on the ground. So really everything just fit together very nicely and I think everyone was well coordinated and uh, things were, were well planned to the best of everyone's ability. and. Um, I think because of that, uh, in long hours and lots of time, it, it came off really quite well, and we were very pleased with the comments we had. We uh, we talked, obviously, to the sponsor, Adequan. They were very pleased with everything. Uh, most of the competitors I spoke with just couldn't believe what we laid out for everybody and, and the, just the caliber of show that um, they, were, they were just totally blown away. When they walked into that Alltech arena and saw what we had laid out and the decor and the whole setup and the VIP area and all the amenities that were available to them, it just blew their minds. And uh, the same, I think, could be said for everyone that, uh, that touched the show in some way. I think the officials were, were pleased, the vendors were pleased. Um, it was just a top-notch competition and, and everybody involved should be very proud of what we were able to do. Oh, absolutely. I have to, I have to second that because it really was. And the all tech ring uh, was absolutely gorgeous. Um, and, and, and it was nice because last week was the, uh, the national finals for the hunters. And so it was a, you know, it was great how you guys were able to kind of just roll it all together. And it really, you walked in there and there, I have never seen a prettier ring than I saw that over there. Yeah, and when uh, if you if you had the opportunity to, to see the National Horse Show set up, of course it's it's phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of infrastructure that goes into that competition, and of course we were able to piggyback on quite a bit of that. But amazingly enough, in one day we were able to transform the look and feel of the National Horse Show to something completely different with the U.S. Dressage Finals. I mean, everything about it was was different, even though we used a lot of the infrastructure. Uh, so it was pretty neat to, to watch that transformation, but that took, oh, probably about, uh, I would say, 30, 30 hours round the clock to, to make that all happen, and it was pretty intense. They're trying to make that transition. Oh, I can't, I can't imagine, but it really truly was a world-class ring when you went in there and, and the events that happened in the evening, it was, it was wonderful. And from, um, you know, a trainer's perspective, but also just someone coming to, to watch and shop, it was, it was fabulous. So really pats on the back for, for the whole event. It really was truly a great event. Thanks, Reese, and I'll pass on your uh, your compliments. And, uh, they're coming <laughs> in left and right too. I mean, I'm getting emails and phone calls, and 
text messages from people all of, you know that were touched by it, and uh, we really appreciate all the feedback we're getting. And of course, you know, there's always room for, for improvement. We're going back, having another meeting as a follow-up meeting next week. We're sending out a survey to everybody that was involved just to try to find out, you know, what what we hit, what we missed, and and how we can improve for next year. Absolutely. No, I mean, I think as, as every event evolves, that's always great. But for the first time, I think everybody felt special and, and really did enjoy the event. And for, for Kentucky in November, we had some pretty decent weather. So that was good. Yeah, con- considering right now we've got about 30 degrees and snow, a little dusting of snow on the ground. Uh, yeah, we, we were very blessed with great weather last week. You were. So there are other great things happening at USDF coming up. Uh, so can we go a little bit uh, for what's on the future horizon? Sure. I'll, I'll start out and then I'll turn it over to Kathy. But the, uh, the, the thing I just want to remind everyone of is that we have our annual convention here in Lexington, uh, December 4th through the 8th. And there's still time to register. There's still time to get the, the good hotel rates at the Hyatt Regency. Uh, our room rate is available through November 19th, so I want to remind everyone to not let that date go by. Um, but we're we're expecting actually a, a very pretty large attendance, even though a lot of people just left Lexington. I think quite a few of them are turning right back around and coming back. So um, it's looking like um, a pretty good lineup of uh, education and events. Uh, so we're we're gearing up for that. So no rest here. We're we're moving on for plan more of this. <laughs> so what are some things, um, Kathy, that we can expect at convention? Well, we have a quite a an extensive lineup of education planned throughout the week. Um, starting on Thursday, um, we have a wide variety of topics that include um, some discussion on stem cell therapy. We have um, a topic on embryo transfer. We're going to be talking about joint therapy. We're going to be talking about all the latest technology in equine rehabilitation. We're going to be talking about um, the evolution of nutrition. Um, we're going to have a session on, on uh, sport horses and confirmation and how to, you know, pick the, um, the best horse you can with what you have to work with both financially and, and um, within the, the breed that you're looking at. Um, we're going to be having a, a fireside chat with one of our Hall of Fame inductees um, with Charles DeCumphy on Sunday morning. We're going to be talking about emergency preparedness. We're going to be talking about some neurological issues related to the dressage horse, some lameness issues related to the dressage horse. And that all starts on Thursday and it's going to run through um, about 10 o'clock on Sunday, or probably 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Fabulous. And how do people find, um, how, do, how do we register? You can register on our website at www.usdf.org. And as Cindy said, there's still plenty of time to pre-register. You can still get a hotel room at the discounted rates through the 19th of November. So there's still plenty of time to get in there. Lexington's going to be a very busy time um, of the year at that time, so there's going to be a lot of other things to do. 
We're going to be offering um, some tours of the bluegrass area, um, and we're going to probably set up some uh, some information with some self-guided tours. So if people want to go visit some of the local vet hospitals, we'll have some time set up for that. But that information will all be available on the website and at the convention. Excellent. And, Marie, and we, as you know, as you know, Lexington's a great a great city especially around the holidays, and downtown is always very, very festive. We've got the ice rink that's right outside of the host hotel, the Hyatt Regency, so there's going to be a very festive field. A tree will be lit by then, so we'll have the big tree in the in the um, area there and the ice skating rink and uh, hot chocolate and, you know, all that great stuff that happens during the holidays. And there's also, um, at the same time as the convention on Saturday night, we've got uh, Jeff Dunham, the comedian, coming in to do his disorderly conduct tour. So if people are fans of him while they're in Lexington, they might check that out. Well, it's just right downstairs from the hotel. So uh, there's lots, lots to do. Great restaurants within walking distance of the hotel. And it's just a very vibrant little downtown area. We're real proud of it. I know we're really getting fancy down there. So it's, it's fun. And, and it is really a great time to come to Lexington and, and certainly, you know, give me a call and, or Cindy, we can all help you guys find where to go and what to do, but there, there's a lot going on. And, um, Kathy, we have one other event we were going to talk about what's going on actually too, uh, in Florida this season. Well, uh, right after convention, um, we're going to be rolling right into our annual um, Succeed USCF FEI Trainers Level, Con- uh, Trainers Level um, Conference in Florida. The dates for that are January 20th to the 21st. going to be at Marianne McPhail's High Meadow Farm in Loxahatchee, uh, the place we've typically been. Um, so we're very excited about that. Stefan Peters and Scott Hassler will be returning as our presenters. We've had some really positive feedback about their return, and pre-registration is already starting to roll in. Um, so we're excited to have them back. And that is a fun event. They are wonderful. Both Philip and I have seen them multiple times, and it's, it is worth the trip to go and see those two work together. It's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal. And how about the? They were, you know, there. This will be different topics than what they did last year, and um, people are always excited to see Stefan and Scott, and um, so they're ready to come back. Excellent. And how about the graduate program? How do, tell us a little bit about that program? Um, at the same time, when we're in Florida with the trainers conference, we're going to be doing our young writer graduate program. As you know, that program is geared towards um, the young professionals that are stepping out of the um, young writer arena and looking to become um, professionals in the industry. Um, We have a huge lineup of speakers. They're still being confirmed, but some of the um, high-performance writers will be coming in to talk to the kids about um, their life as a professional, how to you know, to become a professional, what to look for. Um, We're going to be having speakers from USEF. There will be a presentation from um, the Dressage Foundation talking about funding and fundraising. We've got the uh, high-performance coaches coming in um, to talk to the kids. So it's really a good program. It's going to be an intense couple of days. 
Sounds like it. Sounds like there's a lot that's going on. That's excellent. Um, that was fabulous. Well, it sounds like that's going to be a really good one. So uh, we have one question for you, Kathy, and, and that is we talked a little bit about the rider tests. The USDF and USDF came out with the new rider tests. How did that go on this year? How did that work? The, the USDF rider tests um, have been out, as you said, now for about a year. And um, I think they have been going fairly well. Um, USDF would be able to have more of the statistics on how many people are actually riding them and um, how they're going um, and what the anticipation is for the future. Um, but we do have some videos of the ride, of the, the tests on eTrack. So if um, our members want to go visit eTrack, they can get a little bit of a sample of what the rides look like and how to ride the rides. And eTrack is a great a tool. I have gone there. It's if you ever have a cold, rainy day and you need something to do, that is really phenomenal to go. And how do how do our listeners find that on the website? They can go to our homepage, um, and there is an eTrack button on the um, I think it's on the left hand side of the page. You have to log in to get into the information, but it has uh, thousands of educational pieces from video clips to articles to diagrams um, on just about anything you would want to know about dressage or equine health and training. It, it, it is a phenomenal tool. Philip actually just asked on, online, what, what is eTrack? And it, it, it really is, it's for no, members. I haven't, heard, I haven't heard that. I mean, because I'm not part of the, you know, USDF, USEF system, eTrack, it sounds like a really interesting thing. So uh, I was just asking Reese about it on our little chat. So that's cool. Yeah, you have to check it out because we also, another feature that we have on there is um, we have some what we call quick studies where they're kind of by topic and it's like a 20-minute guide on a specific little thing. Um, And then we also have some more in-depth modules that are more like a full course that include a quiz, and the quiz gets scored, and they get a little certificate of recognition when they complete the quiz, tells them how they did. So, um, And we're developing more resources um, all the time with eTrack. It really is a great tool. And, and, you know, my students, I've sent a couple that if they have questions on shoulder in or questions on something we did in the lesson, uh, it's a great tool to send somebody to and say, hey, go go watch some video or, or go read about it a little bit. It's very good. I like it a lot. I'm going to check it out for sure. Great. Well, Cindy and... One more thing I'd like to remind people about uh, while we're sitting in front of our computer screen on rainy or snowy days, uh, whatever that case might be, uh, (laughs) the USES Network did some live streaming during the U.S. Depression Finals, and we had Kathy Conley uh, do commentary during those live streaming um, times, and we, they're now accessible on the USES Network site. So anyone who missed the action can actually go back and watch um, at least an hour or two per day of rides from the U.S. Dressage Finals along with commentary. So it's a great thing to be able to do. It's just, uh, you don't even have to log on. You just go right to the site. Tune in. Wow, fabulous. Another great tool from USDF. 
Well, Kathy and Cindy, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us the update. And we'd love to have you back in a couple months again. We love the updates. Well, those are some great interviews. I really uh, love the USDF interview to keep us up to date on what's going on here in the States. And we have lots well, of stuff. Well, it also kind of lets you know some of the resources that the USDF has you know, available that I didn't know about You know, some of those things. So um, that's, no, that's pretty cool for our international listeners can check out USDF. And- yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, Philip, we have a listener question. This is wonderful. A listener, Yay! we haven't had one in a while. Well, Woo! maybe something off, but. Yeah, uh, it's just because you've been off, Philip. <laughs> but okay. Well, let me let me uh, let me praise the. This is Becky from uh, New Zealand. Here has a listener question. I'm going to try and this. We've got to brief a size or just make it a little bit shorter here. But uh, let me see here. I have a young. This is Becky, not me. Okay. I have a young thoroughbred who I do a bit of everything with, including show hunter. And it says here in New Zealand, you're not allowed to nose band below the bit for show hunter. Uh, Cavison is fine, but no flash. So I need to make sure he goes nicely without one. However, my dressage instructor recommends that I use a flash nose band for dressage to help him learn not to open his mouth. What are your thoughts on the use of nose bands as a training aid? Do you always use them with young horses? Should you be aiming to use to use a nose band while your horse needs it and then take it off, or to always ride with one? Um, if I need to, if I need my horse to jump without a nose band, do you think it would be better to also do my dressage schooling without one? Thanks very much, Becky. All right, Reese, I'm going to let you take it away here. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. And, um, you know, we do deal with a lot of horses off the track here in, in Lexington, obviously. We that we have a huge population of thoroughbreds. So um, we do use nose bands. Um, I personally am not a fan of not having a nose band on. Um, I don't think that it's very helpful because I do think the horses open the mouth and, and race horses typically can be pretty mouthy guys in general. Um, that's a generalization and all this is, you know, it's really hard to know without seeing the horse. Yeah. Whenever we, yeah, whenever we answer these questions, I guess it's a good disclaimer to say it's very much a generalization and every horse is. Every horse. And when you're training and when you're dealing with tack, we always have to be able to, you know, start inside the box and be able to go, Outside the box and change yep. the plan to find out what works for every horse. So yeah, that's yeah, a no. Good place to start. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So that's that is important. So as a generalization, um, I I I typically like flashes or, um, you know, we we've put several horses now in the Mecklen bridles, um, and those they're legal now in dressage and also in eventing dressage, and um, a lot of my X-race horses go really well in that particular noseband. Um, again, it's very specific um, uh, to each horse. Um, but I'm not a fan of horses going around with their mouths open and the bit sliding through their mouth. So um, I typically like him. And I tell people, you know, everyone's like, well, how tight should you make them? Well, I, my idea of that is that they should be as tight as your belt. <laughs> if your belt is loose, your pants will fall off. And if your belt's too tight, it's uncomfortable. And it's the same thing for a noseband. You know, it needs to be tight enough that it's um, – that, that it's actually doing something, but it doesn't need to be too tight that it's not. So that's sort of my rule of, uh, of thumb. Philip, how about you? Um, when I start the three-year-olds, it's almost always in a flash nose band, um, again, as a generalization. But I just uh, open his mouth to try and fix a problem that that's, gets kind of created because he didn't have it on. So... Um, 
some are uncomfortable, and if I, if they're fussy and whatever, then I then I'll take it off and and experiment with different um, nose bands or different bits. I find a lot of problems is is not a lot of problems are created from the bit and not necessarily the nose band. So, um, you know, I look at different bits before I okay, then I say okay, I got to take this off or or adjust it or find a different nose band that's going to work. Um, but I do prefer that almost all the horses go with a flash nose band. Um, it's just a piece of tack. It does its job when it needs to, and it doesn't do anything when it when it when it doesn't need to. So, um, you know, getting back to this email about the problem about her needing to be able to take off the flash nose band or not not to to ride it, I would probably you know in this instance school the horse um, all the time without the nose band, and then maybe or all the time with the nose band, and then maybe take the nose band off to show it in uh, in hunters or you know, whatever, and then go back to schooling with that nose band uh, right back on when you go home. Um, again, it does a very important job. You know, a horse can really evade the bit if they can open their mouth and, you know, um, and then you get into problems, like you said, of the bit kind of sliding through the mouth or, you know, all kinds of issues. So um, I would recommend to, to try and put the nose band on and to keep it on for at least a couple of weeks to see, you know, that the horse can accept a closed mouth and then uh, and then experiment with how much you want to ride with it and how much you you want to you want to take it off but uh, uh, flash nose band is great drop nose band is great um, and then you know by the time they they get all the way to the to the levels to the FEI levels where you need to ride with a double bridle you find that they just they know how to accept the bits and it's not a problem obviously in a double bridle you, you don't ride with a with a flash nose band or any of those types of They've, they're along enough in their training that that they they've got the idea that they're not opening their mouth and resisting the bits, and then and then it's not a problem. So and the same thing as you with the tightness. Um, you know, I like to be able to you know kind of get a finger in there that you know not that you're going to create any like when the nose bands are too tight, then you're going to create a sore uh, you know sore spots in the um, underneath the nose band. So you definitely don't want to be you know, making pressure points and making the horse uncomfortable with cranking that thing super tight. I mean, it's just meant to be snug on the horse's mouth. Um, the cavison especially, I guess, this is a, a little bit of a, this is good, because it's a little bit of a pet peeve for me. Um, I see it a lot where the, um, where people ride in a flash nose band where the nose band is way too low. They've got the flash cranked up super tight and the cavison part of the nose band like loose and I mean, it's just that's just the wrong use of the tack. It doesn't it make any yeah. sense. And and then the nose band gets pulled well over Down. the lower part of the yeah. cartilage of the horse's nose, and uh, they can't breathe. Yeah, <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem. So um, this is it's good that we get to talk about this a little bit because again, I see it a lot. So what you want is you want that the um, the cavison part of that nose band, you know, up pretty high. Uh, I like, you know, kind of a finger or two fingers width away from the cheekbone. Yeah. Um, so, you know, go out and look because uh, if that nose band is too low, it's cutting off horse's air. And so, yeah. and then do up your calves and part of the nose band nice and snug. Again, you know, not super, super tight, but snug enough that that nose band is not going to get pulled down by the flash part of the nose band. So that it, it, it's hard to describe, but you want it just going straight across the horse's nose, not being pulled any lower than uh, than where it kind of does up underneath the underneath the chin of the horse, and that the flash part of the noseband is the looser part, you know. So that's also kind of snug. But if one's going to be loose and one's going to be tight, do the calves in tight and the flash loose. Yeah, that's my two cents, I guess. 
Hopefully that helps. Yeah, hopefully that helps. I love it. Um, yeah, that, that I can see that's that's a really valid question for somebody who's doing both dressage competitions and show hunter other, competitions. Other types yep. of things, yeah. 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 Sure. So sure. Um, I think a horse has no problem if they really learn and they school in, the, in a flash to keep their mouth closed. And then when you're ready to show, I mean, if you've got contact issues anyways, maybe maybe it's time to go home and school a little bit yeah. more and get, yeah. get your hands the, educated. Yeah. And then, the good uh, news there is that show hunters are not required to carry themselves in as athletic a frame as a dressage horse. If you, if you have a yeah, dressage horse that can yeah, do I first level, he can point. do show hunters. So it's, it's not putting a, a whole point. ton of stress on those, those aids. Yeah. I think that's right. putting, going back to what I was talking about. Whereas in the show hunters, you don't need as solid a, a connection. You actually want the horse a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit to ex- be accepting kind of a looser range. A little freer. So, yeah. And a little bit more free. Yeah. So the horse should be much happier. Um, you know, if you're pulling them around the, the, sh- the hunter course, there's a little bit of an issue there too. So. But that gets <laughs> right. into, that gets into a whole, yeah. we're a dressage radio show. So pick up, pick <laughs> we'll that do that on the on. next episode. Yeah. Yes, the next episode. <laughs> a whole different show on. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Very good. Very good. Well, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com. And my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for this week to allow us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week.